Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. You pray about that and you can stop by in our missional area on the way out and learn more about those great needs. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to open the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that through the text of Scripture you would speak truth into our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would understand that truth. I pray, Lord, we would apply it to our lives. I pray that we would walk away different than when we came. And I pray, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit we would be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that I pray. Amen. Well, I bring you greetings from the continent of Africa. <laughs> the southern district in the area of Choma is kind of the nearest big city to where we were. New Day Orphanage after being away for a month, as you're probably all aware, my family and I arrived safely back earlier this week. And I can tell you with absolute certainty, it's good to be home. God did some amazing things while we were there, and I want to talk about those things this week over the next few weeks. But I feel like I need to begin by just saying to you, thank you. Thank you for your prayers, thank you for your cards, thank you for all the encouraging words that we received while we were there. I want to tell you, if you don't believe prayer works, you're wrong. It is powerful. And we could sense it from 9,000 miles away. From really the, the beginning of our trip until we landed and walked in the front door of our house a month later, we didn't have one single problem, not one. Not a problem with with luggage or with travel or with safety or with injury. And I believe with all my heart it's because the people of this church prayed for us. And I I can't thank you enough for that. I I want to say thank you to the deacon leadership. We started talking about this probably a year ago, and they were a little curious at first. (laughs) You're, You're going to be gone for how long, right? And you're going to do what? But as we thought through it and began to pray through it, they eventually rallied behind me and, and completely supported me. I want to thank you guys for that. I want to thank Randy for preaching. Randy did an amazing job. I think he's in Sunday school right now. I, I couldn't have done what I did without the staff here doing what they did. And so you need to understand, you, you see me more than anybody else, but you've got a phenomenal staff working here. They are incredible at what they do. I'm telling you that. And I mean that with all my... They're second to none. And we've got a gifted group of people here in this staff that, that love the Lord and are willing to serve Him. And so I just want to, again, thank them for what they did and for all their hard work when I was gone and, and, and making it possible for me to go. And I've got, a, I've got an important announcement I want to make to you this morning. Now, don't be afraid. This is kind of tongue-in-cheek, so don't, don't go getting upset on me here. I, I left. Amy's looking at me. She's like, what's he about to do? When I left, my name was Adam. And while I was in Africa, I had the chance to meet a headman. Now, a headman, if you don't know anything about Africa, is kind of a tribal leader. And so in Africa, when you need land, if you're out in the bush, you don't pay somebody for it. You go to the headman, and the headman gives you land. He controls it all. And he's got this book, and he'll literally say, well, from, from this tree to that tree to this stream, this is your land. And so when you they needed some property, they went to a headman, and the headman deeded them some land. And so I had the opportunity to meet with a headman and, and have this very interesting conversation, very intelligent. His English was very good. 
And in the course of conversation, he said to me, do you have an African name? Well, now that you mention it, no, I don't actually. He said, you need an African name. Yes, I said, of course I need an African name. But it, it needs to be a, a good name. It doesn't need to be like white man with bald head. It doesn't need to be anything like that. It needs to be powerful. And he looked at me for a few minutes. He said, your name is Muchimba. Yes. That's what I said. And he said, it means strong in all things. Yes! That's the name I've been looking for all these years. Right Now, if, if, if that's not good enough for you, maybe if I say it with an African spirit, it'll mean even more. Muchimba! See? It just adds. Somebody tweet this. It just adds so much more. Now, the sad and fortunate news is Amy refuses to call me by that name. So I'm going to ask you to pray for her that she'll see the light. You know, to, to say that we had an, an incredible time in Africa is an absolute understatement. I've had the opportunity these last uh, few days to talk to so many people, and I get this question, how was your trip? And I, I feel this pressure within 32 seconds to explain to you what a month was like for me. It's impossible to do. I mean, the Lord did so many incredible things. But, I, you know, if I had to name just one thing, and this is just kind of the, the short answer. There, there's so many things I could say. If I, if I could say there's just one thing that I remember more than anything else, the thing that really touched me more than anything else, it would be to see my children involved in ministry. Man, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And to see as the team came over, the other children that came with that team be involved in ministry... Those kids are not old enough to go into the bush and teach Bible stories. They're not old enough to preach in those village churches. They're not old enough to do construction. But you know what they're old enough to do? Love on those kids at New Day. And they knock that out of the park. I mean, they went to school with those kids. My kids were able to go for the whole month to school with those precious little children. And then... When school was over, they would go down and kind of hang out at the playground and they would love on those kids and those kids would sit in their laps and they would walk back and forth across that yard holding the hands of those kids. And as the other kids from our team came, they jumped right in and did the same thing. I just want to tell you, in case you don't know this, ministry with your family is unbelievable. Nothing like it. If you ever have the opportunity to do ministry, whether it's here or somewhere else in the world with your family, you ought to do it. Because there's nothing like watching your child love on another child in the name of Christ. That in and of itself made the trip worth it for me. But you know, you hear about Africa and and we saw this in Africa and you you read the news accounts and you understand in, in so many parts of Africa there's great need There's great poverty in in so many different places. In fact, so many people in Africa and around the world live on less than $2 a day. You know that. And we saw where we were in in the the area that we stayed in New Day Orphanage. There's electricity and there's running water. And then for miles in every direction, there's none of that. No electricity, no running water. Food oftentimes is very scarce. But you know, here's the thing we have to remember as followers of Jesus Christ. For all the needs there are in the world, we're going to do everything we can to meet and to help those needs. 
But the greatest need they have is Christ. And you want to know something that's kind of interesting as you think about all the world organizations that help with food and with shelter and with clothing and with water. We're the one organization in the world that can help with what they need the most. That's Christ. As followers of Jesus Christ, we've kind of got the the market cornered on their need. And so we need to continue to go. We need to continue to share. We need to continue to reach out. I was doing some research this week and it always interests me statistics worldwide and the number of people that believe. And I saw a very interesting stat. It said that it's estimated, nobody knows for sure, but it's estimated there are just under 5 billion people worldwide that don't know Christ. 5 billion. Almost 2 billion of those have never even heard His name. Now let me give you some interesting stats. If the world was a village of 100 people, this will help us with our numbers, kind of rounding numbers up here. If the world was a village of 100 people, 11 of those people would be European. 14 would live in North or South America. 13 would live in Africa. 62 would live in Asia. Seven of those people would possess 60% of the world's wealth. And all seven of them would live in the United States. 80% would live in substandard housing. 67 would not be able to read. 60 would suffer from malnutrition. One would have a college education. Now of those hundred, here are the most important stats. Ten would be Christians who care about sharing their faith with others. Twenty would be Christians or people that call themselves Christians but their obedience to Christ would be doubtful. Forty would have some access to the gospel but would not yet have responded. And thirty would have little or no access at all to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seventy percent of the world's population probably doesn't yet know Jesus. I had the opportunity while I was there to to do some, some training with some local pastors and I just absolutely loved that. So I was talking to, to Blue, who's one of the missionaries there at the orphanage. He said, We're, we've kind of set up this pastoral training for you. We're going to bring in all these pastors, and for two days they're going to spend the night here at New Day, and you're going to be able to train them and eat with them and get to know them and pray with them. I just was so excited. I, I prepared for that. And he said, we're going to have pastors from about 50 miles away. There's a, there's a stretch of road that goes about 50 miles out to Namwala. They call it the end of the earth. The road just ends there. And he said between here and them walls, 50 or 60 miles, and all the evangelical pastors from that area are going to come and you're going to train them. I'm thinking, that's amazing. How are we going to have space for all these people? Where are we going to put them? Six guys. (laughs) Six guys. There are 60 Southern Baptist churches in Troop County alone. So these six guys come to be trained. I think I've got a picture. Wanda, would you pull up a picture of Maxwell? Maxwell's a pastor in Zambia out in the bush. Maxwell plays the guitar. But, but Chris, I don't know if you're in here where you are. Stacy, you guys. He made up his own tuning system. Nobody ever trained him. And so he tuned it himself. And then he made up the fingering for the chords himself. They're not like anything else anybody's ever done. And so I'm, I know a little bit about guitar. I'm watching him play. He's got this strange fingering. and the, He did this so he could write songs about Christ. That's what he does. 
And so he's kind of the leader of these guys. So these, these six guys came and we were able to share Christ with them and we were able to train them a little. We were able to send them out back into the bush. But the thing I love about training these guys and seeing what's going on in that part of the world is that there's so many people that are hungry for the Word of the Lord. There's a great need all around the world There's a great need all around our community. There are people right now that are dying and going to hell without Christ. And here's the question we need to ask. What are we going to do about it? You can take the picture down now, Wanda. Thank you. You know, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the ministries of this church, and I'm so thankful for how the Lord has blessed us at this church. But we went to church, I guess, four times when we were in Africa. And we met in a what looked like something I would build as a kid in the fort in the backyard with just tree limbs that had been cut down and tied together, mud that had been built up for walls, grass that had been tied together, and this thatched roof. And I sat there and I thought, you know, the Lord is at work all over the world. And so I come back to America and I see the ways in which He has blessed us and all the great things He's given us and all the resources that we've been surrounded by. And I continue to ask myself the question that I want to ask you this morning. What are we going to do about it? In the grand scheme of eternity, all that matters are souls. You understand that, right? What are we doing to reach them? Take your Bible and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I really struggled because I didn't know what I wanted to preach this week. I left thinking I'll come back and I'll have all these sermons I want to preach, and I did, but I wasn't quite sure which one to preach. And so I just spent a lot of time this week praying and thinking and unsure of what I wanted to preach. And I, I kind of settled in on Second Corinthians chapter four because Paul gives us this kind of clear picture of the need, but then this clear call of what we ought to be doing about it and how we ought to be reaching people for Jesus Christ. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to walk through 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to go verse by verse and just kind of understand Paul's calling and exactly who he commands us to be and exactly what we're supposed to be doing with our faith. Let me remind you of Paul very quickly as you're finding 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In the first part of Paul's life, Paul dedicated himself to destroying Christianity. He would round up Christians and stone them and kill them and throw them in prison. And he kind of made it his life's goal to destroy Christianity. And then you guys remember the story on the road to Damascus. The Lord did an amazing work in his heart. And, and he was saved from his sinfulness. And he spent the rest of his life traveling the world and sharing Christ and taking missionary journeys and, and writing most of the New Testament. But here's the thing I love about Paul. Paul wasn't passive in his faith. Paul didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. It's very easy for us, myself included, to say all the right things. And we should say the right things. It's very easy to make the comments in Sunday school or we're in the right company of people that make us look like we're followers of Christ. And we should say that. There's nothing wrong with saying those things. But here's the question. Are we simply saying all those things to sound good and to fit in? Or are we living our lives based on the truth of the gospel? It's not enough just to say it. We need to live it. 
So here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. We're going to look at the first six verses this morning. Paul's words to the church at Corinth. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. And, and by the way, that's a whole sermon right there. How often do we lose heart as followers of Christ? I'm just not sure what you're doing. I'm just not sure you can do this. I'm just not sure how you're working in my life. Paul says we don't lose heart. Verse 2, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. He made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Paul says that the Lord commands us in the words of the little children to let our light shine. And so there's some truths in this passage of Scripture. I want you to see some things. I want you to understand. They're going to help you understand how to live for Christ and how to let your light shine even in the midst of darkness. Here's truth number one. If we're going to let our light shine, if we're going to live for Christ, we need number one, we must teach the truth of Christ plainly. We need to teach the truth of Christ plainly. Paul says in verse 2, Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, here it is, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, you may or may not understand this, but there is a shortage of truth in our world. There's a shortage of truth in our world. Deception is commonplace, isn't it? There are plenty of people that will lie to us. There are plenty of people that will steal from us. There are plenty of people that will cheat us. There are plenty of people that will distort the truth for their own gain. Paul says if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ... If we're going to make a difference in the world, if we're going to let our light shine, we need to teach the truth plainly. There doesn't need to be any doubt in somebody's mind about the truth of Christ. Now here's the thing I think about when I think about teaching the truth of Christ. There's really a couple ways of doing that. The first is in the things you say. You need to be truthful in the way you speak to people about who Christ is. But for some of us, even more importantly, maybe the way that we live. Are you teaching Christ plainly by the way that you live? Do people see the truth of Christ in your life by your lifestyle? When you walk into work Monday morning or Tuesday morning or whatever day of the week you're going to be working today, this next week, next time you walk into work, do people know you by the life that you lead? Do they look at your life and say, you know, that guy or that lady loves Christ? They live their life differently than I live. Christ, plain in your life. It's a very simple, straightforward question we need to answer. You know, we saw a lot of deception in Africa. 
We think about truth and proclaiming the truth of Christ plainly. And we saw so much deception in Africa. It was very interesting to me to talk to some of these pastors. And I asked them about the spiritual condition of the bush, which is just kind of the wilderness area all around New Day Orphanage. I said, tell me about the spiritual condition. So they started talking about some of the people and some of the struggles that the people face. And one of the major struggles in that area still to this day are witch doctors. Believe it or not, there are still witch doctors. And so these people get sick. Something happens to them and they go to the witch doctor. And the witch doctor says, give me a certain amount of money and then maybe they mix up a potion there to drink. Or they say, you're supposed to go and sacrifice a certain animal. Or you're supposed to go and say a certain thing to a certain person or on and on the list goes. And these people are kind of in bondage to these false teachers. Not only are there witch doctors that are not proclaiming truth clearly, but there are people in the bush that claim to be followers of Jesus that misinterpret the truth of the Scripture. It was amazing to me in the conversations I had with all these different people outside of the orphanage. When I asked them about Christ, most of them had heard the name Jesus, but very few understood the truth of the Gospel. I had the chance on on quite a few occasions, one of the joys of my trip for me personally, to teach the Gospel to these people in these very rural villages. So we'd drive for many miles and we'd stop. We'd literally go sit out under a tree and there'd be eight or ten people in the village and we would just work verse by verse by verse through Scripture. And I loved doing that because they were so interested in hearing the truth and so interested in asking questions. But I was teaching one of the Bible studies and one of the sweet little ladies as we were finished up, she kind of raised her hand and she asked the question. I had an interpreter with me. And the question went something like this. If I'm good enough and I do enough good things, is that going to get me into heaven one day? It's the same question people here ask. No different, right? And so I immediately turned to Ephesians chapter 2 and I read her verses 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, right? There's a battle going on for the truth. You guys need to understand that. It's happening here. It's happening across America. It's happening across the world. But see, here's what we need to understand. Not not only is there a battle of truth going on, but the enemy is at the heart of that deception. Because from the beginning, Satan has done everything he can to trick us into believing that the Lord isn't who he says he is, and his word isn't actually truth. So unfortunately, far too many people in this country and other parts of the world have bought into these false teachers and into these cults and into these false religions and people have set aside the truth of the gospel for worship of other things. Paul says if you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you're going to make a difference in this world, if your light is going to shine, you need to teach the truth of Christ plainly. You say, whittle that down for me, Adam. Kind of, kind of give me the foundational truth that we need to tell people. Here it is, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You need to just hear this very clearly in case even in our congregation there's confusion. There is no way to heaven outside of Christ. Period. You can't do enough good things. You can't work your way to heaven. 
You can't show up enough times at church. You can't give enough money. You can't help enough people. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's because of Christ and what He accomplished, not because of us. And we ought to be willing to proclaim that clearly to all the world. Paul says, if you're going to make a difference for me, for the kingdom of the Lord, you need to be clear about the truth. Now verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Not, not only do we need to proclaim the truth clearly, but we need to understand point number two. The enemy has blinded the minds of unbelievers and we must help them see the light of truth. The enemy has blinded the minds of unbelievers. I love how Paul phrases that. He's just real clear. He says, the God of this age, right? The God of this world, he's speaking of Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Before I left, a couple of weeks before I left, I preached out of Ephesians chapter 6, and I preached about spiritual warfare. And a lot of you commented to me that was a very uh, important teaching for you to have at that moment in your life because you're dealing with certain things. But I just want to remind you based on this truth in 2 Corinthians 4 and based on Ephesians 6, Paul says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now watch this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are fighting a war. And most believers don't even know it. See, what you need to understand is the Lord wants to accomplish some incredible things, but He wants to do it through you. And if we're going to accomplish great things for the Lord... If we're going to let our light shine, if we're going to speak truth in the darkness, we need to understand that the enemy is doing everything he can to blind us. He's going to do everything he can to stop us from sharing Christ and from living our lives to bring Him honor and glory. New Day Orphanages, as I said a few minutes ago, it's just in the bush. And that means that there's, there's nothing around there's no electricity, there's no running water. You could walk for miles in any direction and you wouldn't find anything but little villages, little huts. And so one of the interesting things about living out at New Day for a month is because they do have electricity, it's the only place with light in the nighttime. And so at night I would kind of find myself sometimes walking kind of to the edge of the property and just looking at it. It didn't matter which direction you looked, there was no light. You know, you look out here at night and you see the lights of the city or some other house or some other street light, street light down. There's no lights outside of New Day Orphanage. And so one night we were sitting around about 8 o'clock and the power went off. Now when we got there, it was funny because two of the missionaries, Ricky and Nikki, they said to us, now listen, it's been about seven months since the power's gone off. You're not going to have to worry about the power going off at all. It'll be on. I bet it went off 25 times we were there. No kidding. <laughs> they sent me an email just the other day, and they said, since you've left, it hadn't gone off one time. That's what they said. <laughs> I guess we just bring the power. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it means. So the power went off one night, and it was just pitch black, dark, nothing. No lights at New Day. No night, no lights out on the horizon, and, and I went and I looked, and the stars were unreal. So I got to dim the lights first. You mind bringing the lights down? I want to show you this picture. Some of you may have seen it on Facebook. Bring the lights down. Bring them all the way down. That's a real picture of the night sky at New Day Orphanage. 
Now, for those of you that have never seen that, those aren't clouds. My kids kept saying, what are those clouds? Those, that's the Milky Way. And I saw that, and I, I just stood kind of in awe of that picture, and I, I rem- reminded myself, or the Lord reminded me of Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And they, they sing out His handiwork day by day. Their speech goes forth. That's what the, that verse says. We can see the glory of the Lord when we look to the heavens. But now watch this. Just follow track with me now just for a second, okay? Keep your eyes on this picture. Bring the lights back up to where they were. It's a lot harder to see, isn't it? Why is that? Because we've been blinded by all these other lights, haven't we? We can't see, we can't see the beauty of the glory of the Lord because we're blinded by all the lights in the sanctuary. That's exactly what the enemy does in our life. See, the glory of the Lord is always there. It's, it's never hidden. It's always clear and it's compelling and it's very real and it's very powerful. But here's the problem. We let everything else in the world crowd it out, don't we? We let all these things get in our way and all these other lights come on in our life and we get distracted from seeing the truth of who Christ is. We get distracted from seeing His glory. I got back in my truck Tuesday morning. We flew in Monday and I got in my truck Tuesday morning to come to work and I turned on the radio. first time I had the radio on for a month. And I was amazed at the commercials. I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking for a chiropractor. I'm not, I don't need to eat at a restaurant right. I mean, everything, all the things I didn't need. There's, and I, had to tur- I literally had to turn the radio off. It was like my brain for the first time in, in many days it was just bombarded with so many things. And I was just reminded of, of how the, the enemy, if we're not careful, will keep us from seeing the things of the Lord. He just fills our mind with junk, things that are not important, things that don't have any eternal significance, and just one thing after the other after the other. And we sit in our lives and we say, I don't ever see the Lord working. The Lord's always working. You've just crowded them out with the things of this world. And so I think we ought to be very aware of this passage of Scripture. I think we ought to live our lives with the understanding that the enemy is going to do everything he can to crowd out the truth of the gospel in my life. The enemy is going to do everything he can to blind me from the truth of who the Lord is. The enemy is going to keep me from experiencing the glory of the Lord. Do you understand that the Lord has a plan for you? And he wants you to experience incredible things and the enemy is going to do everything he can to block you and to stop you from doing that. I just want to challenge you as best you can to unplug from some of that stuff. Just unplug from all those distractions and see the glory of the Lord for what it truly is. Now verse 5. We need to continue to move forward. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Paul says, For we do not preach ourselves that Jesus Christ is Lord. By the way, if you're taking notes in your Bible, you ought to underline that and highlight it and put stars around it. We don't preach ourselves, we preach Jesus. (laughs) And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Here's the third truth. Not only do we need to speak truth, not only do we need to understand the tactics of the enemy and how he's trying to defeat us and blind us, but number three, we must set aside our desires in favor of the things of Christ. We need to set aside what we want to do 
in favor of what the Lord wants us to do. Paul couldn't have said it any clearer in verse 5. We do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. See the old saying, some of you will remember it, rings so true in this passage of Scripture. There is a God and you're not it, right? (laughs) How easy is it for us to think we've got everything figured out? How easy is it for us sometimes to kind of make our own plan? Lord, I know you've got a plan. I know your glory is shining, but I want to kind of fill up my life with other stuff. (laughs) I want to set all these other things in front of my face, and I don't necessarily want to worry about your plan because I've got a plan for myself. So if we were very honest, and I'm just going to speak for myself, maybe I'm not speaking for any of you, but in our flesh, if we were honest, we have a plan, don't we? It usually involves more stuff, better stuff. I need a nicer this, Lord. I need a little more money for this, Lord. Well, I need social status for this, Lord. Or I need some different friends, Lord. We kind of we got this plan for our life. And here's the interesting thing about our plan and the Lord's plan. They're often vastly different, aren't they? Did you know, now, if you're not already sitting, prepare yourself for this. The Lord doesn't really care about how much stuff you have. Did you, did you know that? Did you know you can worship the Lord in a mud hut? Did you know that? Did you know you can study His Word under a tree? Did you know that? Did you know you can sing praises to Him no matter where you are in the world? Did you know that? See, the Lord has different plans for us than we oftentimes have for ourselves. See, see, the Lord's plan is all about making His name known to the nations. That's His plan. His plan is, is all about bringing glory to Himself. That's His plan. See, the beautiful thing about God's plan is that He wants to use you and accomplish all those things He wants to accomplish. He wants to use you to go to the nations, to reach your neighbor, to live for Him, to further His kingdom. One of the neat things I enjoyed about living at New Day for the month we were there, and it seemed like it just flew by. I had so many of y'all tell me, too, it just didn't seem like a month to me. I mean, I literally came home and it was like, Did we, have we gone yet? I mean, we've really been gone a month. The Lord just, it was just such a neat time for us. But it was really neat to me to get to know these missionaries there. You guys saw Wes and Lori. They were here, right? A couple, three weeks ago, maybe? It's very funny to me because we were in their house and they were here at our church. It was just, and that was one of the reasons we went when we did to kind of take up some of the slack and teach and preach like they did. We got to know Blue and Darby and Ricky and Nikki as well. These are the missionaries that are there in this orphanage and have kind of dedicated their lives. And it was interesting to me because the one thing that I, I knew was true, but the one thing I hadn't quite prepared myself for was the isolation of these missionaries. I mean, when you live in the bush of Africa, there's nothing. You don't decide one day you want to ride to Walmart and pick something up. You don't decide one day you want to run to Publix. There's a, there's a grocery store about an hour away. But it's a, imagine Dollar General. It's a lot smaller and a lot more dirty than Dollar General and not a whole lot in there. And so you kind of have to pick and choose. And maybe they've got something one week. Maybe they don't. And so these missionaries ordered all these things on Amazon.com, shipped them to our church, and we took them over there in suitcases because they don't give them. Things like cookie mixes, things that we take for granted. You know, you can't get a cookie mix in New Day Orphanage. Books that they can't order we took over there. Electronic cables that we could buy at Walmart they couldn't get. And so I was just I was just amazed at how isolated they were and how far apart they were and how, how difficult things were in their lives. But here's the thing that amazed me even more. Now watch this. 
They live in one of the remote, most remote places on the planet, really. As far away from anybody as you can imagine, as far away from home and all the things of life and all the things we take for granted. But in the midst of that all, they trust the Lord. And they've made a conscious life decision to put the things of Christ ahead of their own plan. And they say, Lord, I'm not really sure where you're going to lead and exactly what you're going to do, but my desire is for your will, Lord, not mine. My desire, Lord, is to be used for your kingdom, not for my kingdom. My desire, Lord, is to be called by you and love you enough that I'm willing to set aside everything in service to you. So I just want to challenge you this morning. Are you going to let your light shine? What are you doing for the Lord? With all He's given us and all the ways that He's blessed us, what are you going to do for Him? Because He's got an incredible plan for you. He wants you to speak His truth clearly. He wants you to recognize the enemy and the attacks that the enemy's going to bring. He wants you to preach His Word and to set all the things in your life aside in favor of what He wants you to do. God wants to do great things through you. Here's the question. Will you trust Him enough to do it? I want to finish with a quote from a man named C.T. Studd. That's a great name, isn't it, for a missionary and for a pastor. It's a manly name. Here's what C.T. Studd said. Too long have we been waiting for one another to begin. The time for waiting is past. Should such men as we fear before the whole world, before the sleepy, lukewarm, faithless, namby-pamby Christian world, we will dare to trust our God. What are we going to do for Christ? What are we going to do for Christ? Let's pray together. Father, thank You for the truth of Your Word. Thank You for the, the clear passage in 2 Corinthians 4, Lord, to help us understand our calling and the difficulties that we may face, Lord. I pray You give us the strength to love You, to trust You, to seek You, Lord, to do great things through us, not because of who we are, but because of who You are. And Father, thank You for the opportunity to study and to sing and to pray together. I pray that You've been honored and glorified, Father. I pray that You would send us out into the world changed because of Your Word. And I pray, Lord, You would equip us and challenge us to be the men and women of God You've called us to be for Your honor and for Your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you a couple minutes, as we always do, to come to the altar and pray and seek the Lord. Maybe for the first time you've been convicted of your sins and you want to repent and accept Christ. Or maybe you want to become part of this fellowship. This is your time now to respond as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.